How was Florida? Florida. We got good. Like, we got drunk every single day. Yeah, it was not good. <laughs> it was not good for the mental. As you can tell by my, my messages in the GM, the Weird. I, yeah. fantasy football GM at least. So, do you guys? You do you have family in Florida, or do you guys all like meet out there? We have like so my mom. We don't have any surviving grandparents at this point. Um. But my mom's like uncle is was really close with my grandpa and he passed away last year. And so we kind of like reconnected. I mean, we know these people and we'd seen them at like various family visits and shit like that. But we never really hung out with them. Um, But after the funeral last year, we reconnected and went down to visit them last Thanksgiving. And so I don't know if it's a tradition, but. There's a lot of people going, so we just went down and celebrated, too. Um, I mean, beach time was nice. Highlight of the trip for me was we kayaked with some manatees, which was sick. Um, Damn. Yeah. But, yeah. It was, Where in Florida? It's like Naples area. Fort Myers. Fort Myers. Bonitas Beach. Well, don't dox our family, Pat. They're like country club folk, though. A little bit different lifestyle than us, but it was fun. It's nice. Yeah, fun to dip into. Yeah, exactly. And now it's nice to get back into my fucking routine. Because, yeah, yeah, getting... We... <laughs> Are we... we should talk about our... <laughs> that... What? Our fight. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I swore like different people because we're drunk we would just get different people any given night would like start popping off with each other yeah we have to talk about this on the podcast this could be the intro or bring it up during but Pat put on in anticipation for the no country for big men bowl the next day he put on no country for old men uh, on Tuesday night and then we got into a tiff about the meaning of the movie, whether people appreciate oh, wow. it or not. And then I went on a rant about <laughs> film film people and like how yeah, you they brought just up, you compared us to like people that you you basically said you compared us to anti vaxxers or something. <laughs> no, that is not what I said. That is not what I said. I just was frustrated with the conversation because as a biomedical researcher, I fight to have people understand my work and th- what I was uh, maybe mischaracterizing a little bit, but I was essentially saying that film people try to uh, cloud or shroud the meaning of their work to serve as like a gatekeep. And I was going off at Pat about that and we got pretty pissed at each other. I, I, I mean, I just like shut down. I was like, I don't want to talk, like get into this because you had so much energy and you're coming at me hard. So I just (laughs) walked away and then it sucked because I was the only one that didn't have a, you just started bleeding from the nose. Yeah. Just like, oh God, you didn't have a, oh, I didn't have a room. So I couldn't just like, you know, go in and just like lock myself in there and not have to talk to anyone. And so I go down and cause like I was just sleeping on the ground in the living room and 
I go downstairs and I brush my teeth and I come back out and RJ is sitting there on the couch waiting for me. I'm like, you're the last person I want to talk to. Here. Yeah, but we need we need to talk it out a little bit. No, I so what do you think of uh, No Country for Old Men? <laughs> well, he he said that the first time he watched it, he didn't have the volume turned up, so like he just missed the whole movie. Now, now I mean, now I'm curious what he thinks about it. No, I mean, I I guess I knew that the guy was whatever uh, Laramie. What what is his name? Longwood. What's his fucking name? Uh, you're what? you're not in the sa- you're not in the same ballpark. I don't know where <laughs> Who's the guy that finds Llewellyn Moss? Llewellyn. Llewellyn. Moss? Okay, Llewellyn Longwood Laramie. It's all backwoods fucking redneck <laughs> names. Come on now. I knew that he died. I literally, I had zero idea what else happened in that movie. So it was good to watch again. No, I think it was a great movie. I think it's well shot and like definitely sets the stage. I like the story. Um, Even if I didn't, the ending pisses me off just because he gets away with it. Um, But like, I, I think I get it. Um. <laughs> I read the book, too, and I finished it on the flight back. And it's interesting because pretty much all the way from the beginning to the middle part, like when he gets into Mexico and then when Anton Chigurh meets like Woody Allen's character in the film, it's it's all like pretty similar to the book. But then like once you get to the end, like they left a lot out and like Cormac definitely McCarthy goes off. Like he he it's Ed Tom he just like follows for like the last like hundred pages. The sheriff. Yeah, and like you get you get like all his backstory because like he was a war hero pretty much. Jack, have you read it? Yeah. Yeah. This is a few years ago, but yeah. He's a war hero that, um, you know, got like a medal, a Purple Heart or something, but he's like not ashamed or he's not proud of it. He's more ashamed because of what he did to get it. And like, you just get all that backstory and whatever at the end, at the end. Yeah. Then like, because like in the movie, Anton Sugar gets hit by the car and just walks away. And like, that's the last you hear and see of him. But in the book, they go, uh, Ed Tom, the sheriff goes and like talks to the kids about him and like are asking about him. And then, uh, that's like a whole chapter in itself and like the, he tries to go find him again but but yeah he, damn they make him seem like way more of a puss in the movie he just gives up Tom? pretty quickly yeah i mean the first you know i saw the movie obviously before i read the book and it's an interesting movie because the main character like isn't the main character or the main character essentially flips like halfway through i mean it's no country for old men it's about ed tom right it's not about llewellyn but the first time you do it and then llewellyn dies and he's not even on the screen and you're like what the hell right and then like you have no idea you know you like it feels like a movie about anton and llewellyn and then you just yeah. walk away being like well what the hell was that like <laughs> we just, you know and then you you know probably you watch it again and Yeah, the book is a little bit easier to interpret the fact that it's mostly from Ed Tom's point of view. Yeah. Um, And that is something that just... I mean, I think the Coen brothers made a phenomenal movie, and I think the movie's phenomenal, and it still captures that about Ed Tom and the main themes, but 
it definitely is like it it definitely definitely took the book for me to appreciate the story a little bit more like i was like oh wow that's really cool like the story from the movie but it definitely took the book to actually kind of get it yeah (laughs) which is which i mean also i watched the movie once and i was like oh that was really good and then i read the book and i was like oh shoot i should really watch this movie again so it's yeah it's it's i i always like to see what like directors take and leave from the book that they're writing from and yeah the lady in the pool that Llewellyn is like last mm. seen with yeah like, what the fuck was that he well that that's the thing is like in the book he picks up a hitchhiker and he's and it's a young woman and he's the one that tells the young woman you shouldn't be hitchhiking it's dangerous but in the movie it's the guy that's giving him a ride but that's like a whole that's like his whole last part is like he has all this dialogue with this young woman and it tells you a lot about him and you know some more themes in the book and then they do they do like pay homage to it the Coen brothers did because they're last you hear from them in the book they're drinking beers together but in the movie she's like hey you want to like drink some beers and she, he's like oh, i don't know i'm a married man's like she's like right, but beers are great or something whatever and yeah she, he's like okay so it's like you know like they took that little part of it and i think you know obviously the people that read the book would understand what's happening but like that's a whole part of like Llewellyn's storyline that they just left out to. It could be a two Wait, and a half so hour you're, film, but it's so only... you're telling me that he did go and that's why he got shot? Because that well, could, that like, part definitely went over my head. That that he, specific interaction. Well, he like travels with this woman for like from town to town, and like he has just a lot of conversations with her, and like tells her they just like talk about life, obviously, and stuff. And so yeah. in the movie, they just totally take that character out. Well, and yeah. the last, I mean, it's, it's similar how they end, like how Cormac McCarthy ends those characters paths in the book. Like they, the last part of the chapters are drinking beers together. Then the next part is like Ed Tom's perspective. And he like drives up to the crime scene, but he's too yeah. late. And then there's like an eyewitness that says like one of the Mexican drug dealers, like had her like, took her and was like holding at her at gunpoint. And then like Llewellyn like put down his gun cause he didn't, he, he didn't want to hurt her. And then he just gets like shot in the face a lot. And then they shoot the girl too. Um, and then, yeah. Yeah. Cause like the, cause like the Mexicans are the ones that come and kill Llewellyn. Yeah. And then Anton shows up. God, I'm for trying to money. remember, but like he, he Anton shows up, shows up you know, kind of around the same time ed tom shows up at least in the movie and they kind of try and make that look like it's happening at the same time or something yeah i mean i um i agree but yeah no i want to hear what you have to say oh well i was just gonna say i agree with what you kind of said jack and like the the movie is about ed tom but what like drives the story forward is the whole conflict between I'm going to just call him Laramie and Anton <laughs> yeah. Sugar. But, Anton Sugar. But yeah, they don't really... De- Llewellyn, I mean, they don't really develop his character. He's obviously like a badass, but who, yeah. who knows? I, I guess, do they well, talk he's, about He's how, a vet, too. Yeah, that's, that's what I thought. Okay. Yeah, that's how he has all his skills and everything like that. Um, yeah, and 
That's how he gets back into the country. Yes. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. I he's on Border Patrol, and, like, and he's in the scrubs. He's just, right. like, dipped from the Mexican hospital, and he's, like, walking back, and the border guy is like, what the hell are you doing? Then he's like, well, you know, I also served, and he was like, you know, and the border guy also served and let him in and X, Y, Z, but, yeah, I mean, yeah, it, it, it definitely is, like, not probably not clear in the movie that initially like ed tom is the is the main character and it is you know the whole story is just essentially about him uh you know an enemy that he can that we can't understand like one that just doesn't have order or like chaos and it just doesn't like i don't know you know like bad guys used to have honor kind of thing but a little bit less uh on a little more a little less on the nose than, you know, I mean, it's good literature, so it's not going to, like, absolutely smack you in the face with what it means. But, like, yeah, it's, you know, it's, like, uh, I've actually, you might, maybe now, Ryan, maybe this will make the the part Ryan mad, but um, I've read, like, an interesting criticism about the, the book in that it's sort of allegorical for 9-11. Um in that, like, if you look at, you know, Cormac McCarthy was pretty consistently, like, releasing books before then. And then, it, and then, I don't know, 9-11 happened, I guess. And then that, I think that was this book he came out with after. And it was, like, it was a kind of gap in the books he had been releasing. And, I, I mean, he doesn't do any interviews, so we don't know. And he's, like, 90 now. But, like, it's an interesting, like, literary you know, if you're writing an English essay, it's an interesting perspective and take. I don't know if it's actually true. Well, that's... I mean, it, that's all, it is... Yeah. Yeah. It does help kind of like, if you think about it in that way, I think, at least the stories like that, I, you know, I think the chicken or the egg, I don't, I don't know. I don't know which one came first, whether that's just a coincidence or not. But, I mean, I think, you know, it, it helps a little bit with, I think, with the theme of the stories trying to get at so that's an interest that's a lot of interesting tidbits i'm looking at my bookshelf right now um oh okay okay so this is actually hilarious and this might upset you guys because one i did not realize this book was this recent i did not think that it was written this millennium i thought it was like maybe 1960s 1970s Mm-hmm. And part of the reason why is because I don't fucking know who Cormac McCarthy is. <laughs> and it's explained if you look at my bookshelf because I have and I haven't written it, read it yet, but I have the road on my bookshelf. <laughs> but what I also have is Jack Kerouac's On the Road. And so in my mind, uh. I just like merged those two people. And so I had no fucking idea yeah i mean I the no road will the road will alive no you dude he's i didn't he's think he's alive either yeah he's 88 that's, that's crazy funny. he doesn't do any interviews he's just i i mean I, that he, makes sense but i think he does he's done one with the new york times a long time ago and then he did one with oprah for the road no oh. when was this shit written the road yeah like 20 uh gotta be like about 10 years ago i think 
Jesus, I thought this was way older. Let me let me. I, I'm looking. Um, I'm looking at the. Let me try and find his. Uh... 2006. It was copyrighted. Oh, okay. Yeah. Why? Why is it so fucking hard to find the year that a book was written? Like you have to go to like the front inner page. See where it was. I just want. I went to his Wikipedia page, assuming it. Yeah, The Road, two thousand six. No Country for Old Men, two thousand five. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, his other bigger stuff is seventy nine, eighty five, ninety two. So like he. He did a few in between there. Yeah, the road is <laughs> the road is I don't know, it's pretty gnarly. It's uh I mean uh, to be honest, all of his books are pretty gnarly. Yeah. From at least all the ones I've read and and I haven't read all of them, but I've read most of them and I mean you definitely have to be prepared for some whack but also pretty hardcore stuff. Jack, I was gonna <laughs> wow. say that. Anton Chigurh re- reminded me a lot of the judge. Like I, I saw a lot of similarities between the two of them. You know, it's funny. I I thought about that today because I don't know if you saw my fantasy football's team name. I don't know if you you're the kid in our and we're playing each other. So I changed. Uh, the, did you to change the judge. it to the judge? Yeah, <laughs> dude, you should look at the photo that oh, I have God, for it. It's it like somebody, it's some drawing somebody did of that character, <laughs> and it's just if you just type in the judge Blood Meridian on Google oh, Images, God. it's like the first one to come up, and it's just absolutely disgusting. Yeah. Is that his most well known Blood Meridian? <laughs> like bloody. early? Uh that's his. Uh, yeah, I think it's his, his most well known early. I think it. that's probably his like best. Like that's kind of an epic. Um, it's like I think he's pro- he's probably more well known for No Country for Old Men and The Road because those were made into movies. Yeah. Um, Damn. And, like all the. So. <laughs> I thought this guy he's like a gory like action fucking novelist, and I thought he was. <laughs> Some deadbeat motherfucker just doing drugs. <laughs> like, what I mean, don't get me wrong. I enjoyed On the Road by Kerouac. Like, that was an interesting enough story, too. But totally different vibe from what you guys are. No, if you down. read The Road, uh, I mean, I, you will, I was, road, so. I was, I was, I was oh, just, I was crying at the end of it. Wow. Whoa. Okay. Yeah. I'm, I mean, I was interested before given what you guys were saying now i'm super well it's 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 like really depressing it's like really sad it's very very highly you know acclaimed but it's damn it's really sad all right i'm gonna have to get going on that once i fucking get my life in order yeah um how about that look at that this is perfect actually we just reviewed our podcast namesake on our twenty oh, fifth no. episode, and with that, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the twenty fifth episode of No Country for Big Men. Woohoo! That's right, baby. A quarter of a century down in the books. Book it, Bookie Butler, Bookie Leap. Yeah, book it. Let's book it, baby. Okay. We're going for seventy five more. We're going to the big. One zero zero. It's happening. It's happening. Well, 
I would like to say go follow us on air because we have been lighting up the airways. And although Jack did get an iPhone 13 and is able to access the app now and actually use it, he's only posted one air since then. So what, what the, what's the deal with that, Jack? Oh, it's still not really working, so... Have you have you tr- have you tried uninstalling and then reinstalling the app? Well, sort of. I mean, I got my new phone, so in a way it was re- in a way that occurred. But I guess I could maybe sign out and sign back in. I don't know. I can't like listen to other people's or re-listen to mine if if I record it and I want to like check it. So hmm. uh, could be the phone's issue. You might need a new phone. Yeah, I might have to get the Pro Max, upgrade my normal one to the Pro Max that I didn't get. Yeah, so. I bet your phone only has two cameras. It does. It only has two. Wow. Oh I feel inadequate. But you know what well, they say, it's not how many cameras, it's how good you are with the camera. So mm. Mm. That's why I'm slinging one around, one camera lens on this bad boy. <laughs> I wonder how many lenses Brise has on his phone. Brise. He's probably got more lenses than you. No. <laughs> all right, all right. And that right there is my co-host, Jack, a.k.a. Jack the Jumping Spider. And we are also joined by the other co-host, Ryan, a.k.a. the White Recluse. Mm. Like that one. Spider-themed this time. Spider-themed. You got me there. I thought that you were just going for the alliteration, but I'm glad that you changed it up with mine. I guess recluse, Ryan. Is that what you went for? Yeah, that's what I went for, but I I did white recluse because you're white. And then Jack the Jumping Spider because you're white. Not Dwight. Let's get that clear. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And then I did Jack the Jumping Spider because Jack's jump shot is... His most lethal weapon went out on the court. Depends where. <laughs> it, mid-range, mid-range. Oh, I was going to say, I step outside the lines. Uh, yeah. I don't know. I don't know what I'm doing. Dude, I'm the same way. I'm, I start shooting with a shotgun. Just it, It's going everywhere. I, I take one step in. Oh, my. Pure, moist. Silk. Yes. <laughs> silk, silk. Like a web, spider's web. Look at that. Yeah, that's that's uh, you know that's not silk, but you know. <laughs> there's, a, there's a saying like that out there somewhere. Is there? I don't know. I mean, silkworm is the only one that produces silk. Come on, get your facts right. Fuck. Fuck. Maybe Cormac McCarthy wrote something about it. Dude, I don't know. Probably. Maybe that's, maybe that's where I got it from. Probably not. However. Um, I don't know what I was going to say. So, <laughs> Well, for this 25th episode of No Country for Big Men, we are covering the No Country for Big Men Bowl. What a bowl game that was. We're going to dive into it. I'll give sort of my perspective of when we started watching it. First of all, Ryan and I were in Florida for this on a family vacate, and we were pretty much drunk every single day, and definitely... Speak for yourself. Well, definitely we're getting drunk for this No Country for Big Big Men Bowl, because the spread was 
Warriors by 11, I believe. And so that just gives you a sense that it was going to be a blowout. No Embiid, no Tobias. Pretty much our whole starting lineup was out. Um, So we smashed the spread for the Sixers to cover. We smashed that all the way home. All of those things that you just listed and then you said we smashed the Sixers to cover. (laughs) That's the loyalty and dedication. (laughs) And guess what? It was paying (laughs) off. Dude, by the end of the first half, for all those who didn't watch the game, the Sixers were up by 19 at one point. And... I mean, at first I didn't expect them to win. I thought they could maybe cover. Uh, then that lead really, it just gave us some toxic hope. And we, by the end of the half, Ryan was firing off airs. And we were confident I that we could maintain amped. And uh, yeah, and I think that's all we need to talk about the game. So, Yeah, well, that is not all that we need to talk about the game. Because, mm. woo! <laughs> God, you guys are trash. <laughs> you had 19. You had it. You had it. 19. Seth you was the superior 19. Curry for <laughs> like three quarters. Curry. I mean, they switched bodies and nothing. You guys couldn't even finish the job. I mean, come on. Come on. They were, they wanted it. We just didn't even want it. They wanted to lose. They were like, here, here's a win. Feel good about yourself. And then you guys couldn't even do that. I mean, what the hell? What the hell? I will say something happened in this game, and there is a new enemy of the Sixers, and his name is Juan Toscano Anderson. That guy is a big piece of shit, all right? No, no, no. no. He thinks he can just play reckless like that and flop a charge. He didn't play reckless. And get in Niang's face after that. I mean. Georges Niang, which three things. One, why his name is plural, I have no idea. He's one person, he's one George, but his name is Georges. Although, to be honest, that one George didn't even show up that night. But the second Jesus. one is he, he you know, he, he went pretty hard into Jordan Poole for, you know, really limited reasons. Uh, on that first flagrant, and then you know, I mean, he did just shove him, shove old Juan Toscano Anderson. You know, was there a little, was there a little, I don't know, action, some some acting on that uh, dive? Yeah, sure, sure, sure. But again, he did just shove him, and why his name is Georges? I don't know. George works just fine, George. Well, he he can take on multiple different roles. You never know which George Niang you're going to get on any given night. Lately, we've been getting the bad George <laughs> Niang. <laughs> he has been that No sign. Country for Big Men Bowl was the start of the bad George's Niang. Um, yeah, rough one. You know, came out shooting red hot, like you said, Sethan Curry, the best Curry at mm-hmm. this point, uh, was amazing and was compensating for you know, a lot of what we've been missing with Joel, although we'll get to it in a sec, but Joel needs to get his jumper in check for me. But 
you knew going into the halftime that was one of those halves that you couldn't sustain for a full game. And like Pat said, you're just thinking that a 19-point lead would be enough. Sure enough, the Warriors start shooting lights out, and we can't get a bucket looking inept. Drummond got canceled out of the game with the small ball lineup. That was pretty ugly to see. But, yeah, I mean, this is what happens when you're missing your best players. Excuses, excuses. I'm not. Y'all won the game. I'll, I'll admit it. But catches December 11th, but the second installment is coming up. I know. Wow. I got to get air solved by then. (laughs) Yeah, not even two weeks, a week and a half, baby. Let's go. Next episode. I think I'll have the apartment to myself, so I will be screaming (laughs) the air. Yeah, it was just disappointing that, like you said, Ryan, after such a big lead, couldn't cover. And that was really our only hope. And Draymond was out for most of the game. Or not most of the game, but a lot of the game. That's true, yeah, foul trouble. So, just just watching Curry, though, he really lit us up. Although, he, I think he had one more point than Sethin. He did. Yeah. He got it at, like, borderline garbage time. So, we couldn't even... uh, couldn't even get that one. Couldn't even get that dub. No, it was it was it was a fun game to watch, but seeing the Sixers slowly lose their grip on that lead, it's a little bit of torture. Um, and then losing the money at the end, yeah, cherry on top, right there, cherry on top. We'll never get that ten thousand dollars back, Pat. No. Well, you can yeah, on the, December eleventh. Yeah, just chase, just chase. Let's see. I would love to see this matchup with Joel Embiid. Warriors like to play small ball, but Embiid's one of those players that will force you to put someone big on him. Otherwise, he's going to cook you all game. And he has the defensive versatility to hold his own against a small ball lineup. So I'm looking forward to that matchup. And again, you know, this was, I think, the No Country for Big Men Bowl was the perfect embodiment of the Sixers streak without Embiid. Really impressive at times. You really liked what the young guys, especially in the new signings, have showed. But at the end of the day, they just haven't been able to make it happen. And they fold at the end. And that's exactly what happened in this game, too. Well, your point, Ryan, about the matchup between Embiid and Golden State is interesting because sort of talking about the recent game between the Warriors and the Suns, which was pretty hyped up. And I mean, they, I think they still have the two best records, you know, in the league and the Suns are, you know, have now won 17 straight. We're recording this on Wednesday. And so they, they actually play again on Friday. Uh, So I want to talk about that game a little bit, but also try and just tease Friday. Although that will have occurred probably by the time this gets posted or you're listening to this. But one of the things that, you know, Phoenix was able to do with DeAndre Ayton was take advantage of his size down low. I mean, the biggest big that the Warriors have right now is Kevon Looney, who is a little bit undersized. I mean, he's not one of those centers that's massive, and what makes him strong is he's generally generally fairly switchable. Um, and, and that works really well for the Warriors, but, uh, you know, against Embiid in, in the post, Embiid should obviously win Ruh-roh. that matchup, and 
um, you know, after that, it's pretty much whether they want to go Draymond at the five or, you know, Bielitsa, who's a stretch five, uh, pretty, pretty even smaller than Looney. Oh, boy. So, um, I mean, you know, that roster slot, that backup center roster slot is for Wiseman, but he's obviously out right now. And he's obviously very large, but it's definitely a matchup that would be interesting. The Warriors would probably attack that in their own way by going, maybe even going small and just trying to, you know, outshoot him, draw and beat out defensively to the perimeter and hopefully kind of neuter his, uh, his rim protection a little bit. But, um, you know, the Suns took advantage of that, that size. I, I, I would say disadvantage for the Warriors because yes, at times they can probably, they can probably have some struggles defensively against big, you know, big, big players. It's just, there are few and far between those guys. So I'm pretty excited for the December 11th matchup as well, especially a little bit after watching the Suns, the Suns Warriors game, which did you guys watch it? No, I, I didn't. Oh. I, I was watching it, and because Stefan is a major asset for my fantasy team, I've started to notice something with Stefan. Very rarely, if he starts out and misses his first few shots, very rarely does he is he able to turn it back on later. It's a very much on or off thing with Steph versus someone like Dame, who tends to like have to warm up to a game and then is at his peak at the end. And so I thought what was interesting about that game is I felt like pretty early on the Warriors were going to be at a disadvantage because Steph did start out really slow and he never really found his rhythm. And I mean, part of that is to the to the um, compliment of the Suns defense. Bridges. Right. Mc- Bridges. Exactly. Someone who could Bridges. be a sixer in a Bridges. different uh my, Wait, no, Bridges. no, bro. No, no. Hey, don't even say that. We got Zaire Smith, bro. <laughs> like, it's it's okay. He's not even on the roster anymore. <laughs> it's, it's fine. That's God. I mean, oh, but yeah, I mean, he did a great job on Steph. And, you know, again, I think Aiton's presence also impacted that. But I, I think the Suns have a very similar strategy defensively to the Warriors, too. Um, with with that big presence, however, but but yeah, I I thought that you know even I guess you could say that this Devin Booker going out with the hamstring injury was kind of a cancellation of Steph's bad night, but I don't know. I I think this showed why the Suns were in the finals last year, and maybe that the Warriors still have a little ways to go. Yeah, and I mean, I was this was a matchup that was a sort of marquee matchup as much as you get around this time of year and for good reason. And I think that what, what, I, hmm? what reason, what, what reason is that? Why the Suns Warriors <laughs> is a good game. Cause they have, they the, have two, the best two records, the best in, the two records in the league. Cause you got the best team. They're in the, the same Phoenix Suns playing. The yeah. I mean, that team. tends to, that tends to, qualify it as a marquee matchup (laughs) but i did see like i mean it was probably about a week before they played like i was flipped on the game and i i think it was like celtics nets and it was espn so they had nba countdown and they were talking and i had it muted 
Um, but you can see, you know, they're, I don't know, the little ticker thing at the bottom where they're talking about, and they're like, you know, this was in the middle of Phoenix's run, and they're like, is, you know, is Phoenix like a challenger to the Warriors? And I was a, a little bit like, wait, <laughs> like, shouldn't it kind of be the other way around? Because, I mean, if, you know, and I took a peek at the last 20 years of NBA champions, and it's it sounds fairly obvious, but I was just looking to make sure that there weren't any, like, real outliers and, like, you know, like pretty much every championship team in the NBA is built on like a team that's pretty chock full of just just veterans and at least guys that have a significant portion of like deep playoff experience, not just like first round sometimes, but like deep playoff experience. And that is what the Suns got last year. Like part of their run that was special was like Booker never made the playoffs, right? Everybody outside of Chris Paul, uh, who Jay Crowder. Yeah, I think it was like Chris Paul and Jay Crowder were the only ones that had any kind of deep playoff ex- experience, and now that now they have that, and I think that showed in the game against Golden State because they did an absolutely phenomenal job on defense, making it really physical. They got a, you know, long, pretty switchable defenders, really physical with Steph, which is what you need to do, and the Warriors looked like they were put a little bit out of sync by that. I think. Phoenix can force them into that, but guys like Juan Toscano Anderson, the elites, uh, you know, I mean, even Wiggins who don't have that experience, it showed because the Phoenix was putting out there like a playoff game plan in a sense. I mean, they went all out. They really showed, to be honest, they might've showed too many cards. And that's why I'm really curious to see what happens on Friday. I don't know, you know, if, doesn't sound like Booker's going to be back, so who knows. Um, but I think that people might look at Golden State as, oh, it's kind of back in a sense. And yes, Steph has the experience. Clay will have the experience. Draymond will have the experience. They didn't have Andre Iguodala in this game. I think it would have helped just with some, you know, just on knowing what to do with all these looks that they've seen. But they rushed guys like Toscano Anderson, Bielitsa into a lot of turnovers, and the Warriors ended with 22 like 22 or 24 turnovers in the game. Oh. So, so Awful. I mean, you know, this is not necessarily the Warriors team that's built right now is not necessarily the profile of a championship team. Uh, it just really isn't. And I think you could see that a little bit of Phoenix again, as Ryan said, early days. Uh, and usually you don't get to play a team essentially back to back like the Warriors do with Phoenix. So I'm curious if they'll have any adjustments, but hopefully, you know, some of those guys that I listed that don't have that deep playoff experience, at least on the road in Phoenix felt like that that was a little bit of an early taste and they can take the next few months to adjust. But I mean, okay. Okay. One game, one game, one regular season game. You're talking about how all these championship teams have, <laughs> veterans who went deep into the playoffs and you're telling me that one regular season game in phoenix arizona is gonna give that to wiggins well it's a start they haven't faced a defense that's nearly as good or nearly has the personnel to do so i mean phoenix was 
Yeah, yeah. Uh, Matisse Seibel. Uh, I mean, Tyrese Max. You know, I mean, I mean, Phoenix was. Thibble, what, Thibble, Thibble. Uh, they post up Looney and Draymond, and Phoenix was essentially, I mean, essentially fronting that so that canceled out any kind of, you know, action where they get it into Draymond at the post, which obviously Draymond's not going to score. But you know, they run kinds all kinds of screens off that. They were extremely physical. They clearly showed that they wanted to take that away from Golden State, which is like a generally a playoff kind of like chess move in a sense. And like typically in a regular season, you get essentially basic coverages, right? If you're talking football, it's like preseason in a way almost. And like, oh, we're just going to run cover. Our play calls are like cover two, cover three, and like three blitzes. Right, that's essentially regular season defense, but they did a lot of little things. And Chris Paul, I mean, he knows this Golden State team quite a bit because he's lost to them quite a bit. But you know, I mean, they 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 focused, they made Draymond Green take it to the basket, you know, in an emphasis and in a way that nobody had done yet in this regular season. Like nobody had tried that hard to do it, you know. And if they play the Clippers, the Clippers will focus on that more in the playoffs than what the Clippers have had to do so far because it's. It's the regular season that was also on the road. So, I mean, they should look at this game and say, like, hey, they actually, Phoenix actually pulled some, like, schematic shit on us that we don't usually see. Um, You know, certainly all kinds of matchups that, you know, they tried to throw at Golden State. And look, they have a personnel to do it. Like, it's easier said than done. Because they have uh, the personnel to do it. Some teams just don't have the personnel to do it, even if they try. But at the same time, like they're facing one of the best defenses in the league, and and a one that's you know they were super, 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 super physical on Steph, which is generally what happens in the playoffs when they get when they're allowed to be a little more more physical, and that's what Cleveland did back in those finals runs. And Delhi, yeah. Delhi. And like you know, that that's the game plan is just to essentially grab him on as many screens as possible, which is what they did. So now the Warriors will probably have to counter that with Steph being on ball a little bit more because you obviously can't grab him, and they might have to have him creating a little bit more on the ball. So that's why it was all kinds of interesting things about this game that I think Phoenix pulled out that was kind of interesting in that they really seem to schematically go for it like in like a we are actually just gonna like 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 keep make sure Draymond has the ball has the ball and we will do you know we will bracket Steph as hard as possible in a like playoff kind of style defense that I don't know if they've I mean I don't know if they've quite seen that yet you know who sees playoff style defense every freaking time he touches the ball it seems our big man Jojo. I feel like every possession now teams are doubling him. That's true. And that was definitely happening in the Celtics game, which makes me sad. And it looks like Pat's sad about it too. Well, get better at the doubles, Jojo. I mean, come on. What are you fucking doing, huh? What are you practicing in the offseason? Just when you're walking up to the to – He Wells has Fargo gotten Center, better. He's just, figured it out. His assist when, numbers are up. When you're walking back to Wells Fargo Center, like – have two people run at you and just try to get away from them. When you're going out to dinner with your lady, have two people just come up to you and yeah, try to take true. take you out. Like that's every very situation, have people double you for right. something. Right when you're with your lady, have somebody double team you. 
in the bedroom. Okay. All right. <laughs> He's been, do- he has figured out for the most part, the double team. It's just, you know, certain instances, I think he wants to get the ball in the basket. And I mean, sometimes he needs to take over if our shooters aren't hitting their shots. I so. will say I've noticed this is Jojo just takes it up every time he gets a rebound now, pretty much. Or if it's like a long rebound, he'll just like take it up the court. And he's really developed his pull-up three game. It's it's better than last year, that's for sure. And I wonder if this is like a jab at Simmons being like, hey, <laughs> you think you you can take it up the court? You're the only big man that can take it up the court. Watch me, boom, pull up three, done. No, it it seems like his ball handling has progressed, and he's he's developed that for sure because he'll take he'll take someone off the dribble. And, and drive in on them after a little crossover and it's it's crazy to see such a big man be be dribbling like he do be he do be dribbling and i mean i don't want him shooting too many threes but no but but i i do like i nice. do like his pump fake at the top of the key and i, I love it when they do bite on it and oh just, god well, and that's why it, yeah it's phenomenal. <laughs> Well, it's amazing. And that's why I think he should start doing that early on just to get a feel for his shot too. And also if he starts banging them early, then they are going to fall for that pump fake. They are going to bite on it more, which is just going to open up so much more for our offense. But yeah, I mean, when he takes them late, I'm less thrilled about it. But even when he's cold, he somehow manages to hit some clutch ones. So I'll take it. And honestly, I know people don't like watching that, but I'll take it all day, every day. I love you, Jojo. I'll say this, and maybe this is what he needs to do to get out of his shooting slump that he's currently in after Uh, having such a long COVID uh, time off, I guess, (laughs) while he was fighting the virus. Time off, yeah. (laughs) While he was fighting for his life is, and I'm going to sound like Shaq here, which, you know, I'm, I don't know if I agree with everything Shaq says, but he does harp on and to get into the paint and bully ball and get to the rim easily. And I think if he starts doing that a little bit more, especially now that his mid range is suffering so much, get into a bit of a rhythm and not have to worry about on your touch as much. Because he was favoring his hand a little bit this game. I don't know if you saw this, RJ. He kept, like, clutching it and whatnot. But it, it could be many things. But at the same time, he's the biggest guy out on the court. Get your easy buckets. Start off the game. Maybe start getting them into foul trouble. And then, you know, watch your your shot come back over the next couple of weeks. And Because, I mean, that's one of his most lethal parts is his mid-range and it's so sexy and smooth and when he's able to space out in the court more it's it's he's yeah plus if he if he attacks the basket he's probably more likely to get fouled and shoot free throws and if he's on a shooting yeah. slump typically typically mm-hmm. i mean free throws will help you kind of get out of it just because you can mm-hmm. you know you can get in a bit of a rhythm and it's a little like per- shoot you know shooting practice in real time so yeah, I think you should. I don't. I I have not like looked into. I I have not looked into how often he's attacking the basket. I would think though that without Simmons, that you know should be a little bit easier because should be a little more clear out there since they're at least able to have some smaller, better shooter lineups, which should clear out the paint a little bit. But 
I mean, yeah, Joel Embiid. In, he's I am inside out player. I'm just well, oh sorry, man. It's all right. I was just gonna say that I think his recovery is part of this process, and I mean, every since the first game that he came back, they've had a game every other day, which is exhausting. And I was just go pulling up their schedule to see when they have a two days off rest. And they still have another game on Friday. And guess where they got to go, Pat? They got to go to Atlanta (laughs) on Friday on ESPN. I wasn't going to guess that, but that's good. I like that. I wish that they had the extra day of rest before this. That's a pretty brutal stretch, four games in less than a week. But it is what it is. And I hope that JoJo gets some nice sleep tonight. Recording on a Wednesday, I guess I didn't even think about. <laughs> Y'all will know the result. Hopefully, uh, we're smiling with you, but but yeah, you know, with all the I, listeners, yes, we're all, all, we're all smiling together, exactly. <laughs> um, but but after that, they have the whole weekend to rest, and and then again, they have two days off. So you hope that through that time, he can kind of recover from this tough road, tough game stretch, and and maybe get some practice practice in too, because he probably hasn't been practicing much either. I'm just going to say I'm so excited for when we trade Simmons. <laughs> just like seeing this roster, it's not complete. It's it's obviously missing a key piece, and that's I just... our former number one pick. And the Nets can say maybe the same thing about Kyrie and having an incomplete roster and not having all your stars out there, but man, whew. I'm ready. I'm ready. <laughs> I can't wait. I just thought of the perfect trade. Ben Simmons for Kevin Herter. That make me yak. <laughs> Throw in John Collins, why don't you? No. I don't. <laughs> oh man. Oh man. Well, yeah, I mean fuck. There's been no uh no Simmons drama really. So, I mean, that's nice for our listeners because we don't have to talk yeah, about it. They're probably but... telling us to shut up about this shit. Well, my prediction was that he would show up in, <laughs> during that road stretch that they had. And they really yeah. could have used him, too. But, uh, yeah, that didn't happen, clearly. He's not playing for them again, bro. <laughs> I hope you know that. <laughs> there is no way he plays for them again. There is absolutely okay. no way. But to be fair, I bet you didn't see it playing out where they would play an entire regular season before he gets shipped off. No, I did not see that. But still, so, uh, you might still win the bet, but not in Book- a way that either of us could have predicted. Bookie Leap Jr. coming in clutch. <laughs> Bookie Leap Jr. <laughs> Love it. All right. Well. <laughs> You know what time it is. Let's talk some football for just just a little bit. Just a little football for you. Just a little No Country for Big Men football analysis. We're going to touch in on the uh, Rookie of the Year race real quick because RJ is feeling pretty confident. Um, I'm not, even though Jamar Chase is a better athlete, a better teammate, a better person. A better athlete. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, yeah. The, yeah? He's, had a, <laughs> he's had a couple games. Hasn't done much. 
Hasn't done much. T. Higgins sort of went off last week when the Cincinnati Bengals blew out the Pittsburgh. Are you body shaming Mac Jones? Uh, I can I can be like all of me to. And Mac Jones and the Patriots have won sixth, sixth. (laughs) God damn it! They've won six straight, and they're getting hot at the right time. And that's the end of the season. And I'm not really liking this. And RJ's loving it, so. I'm expecting a big game from Jamar. Do they play each this, other? This, this, do they? I don't, I don't think so. I doubt. I don't. A I lot doubt of, it. I, I doubt it too. A lot of the remaining games are divisional games too. Mm, yeah. Um. I mean, all yeah, it takes I mean, is one play for Jamar to pop off, and <laughs> that's it. Well, but it, it's just funny to me because I tell you, you had such pushback in our debate about what my point was where I was basically telling you what was happening before it happened. Patriot Listen. stock up, Jamar Chase stock down. Do you see the passing ships in the night? Okay. Wait, it was I want to bring, me. I, I want to bring Jack in here. He has a point. Hopefully it's for Jamar Chase. Let's go. <laughs> what? Or are you, you said, listen, <laughs> I thought you were going to. To me. No, I was saying uh, listen to him. I mean, yeah. I, oh, God. Yeah, oh, I do God. have a point, no. and it's you should probably get off the Jamar Chase Offensive Rookie of the Year bandwagon. Get the. Because get uh, the I think Mac Jones is taking it. I mean, the media can't resist <laughs> his flabbiness and the story. I mean, think about it. Okay. Look, I've spent time in press boxes okay oh there are more body types closer to mac jones in the press box and in the studios than there are jamar chase you tell me subconsciously who you're voting for if you're like wow that guy looks like me i mean we might have also we might have just started a discussion about you know society and the you know race and right now but at the same time this this have a lot more people looking like mac jones talking about football than there is to look like jamar chase and so that's that's why people love celebrities because they look exactly like them that's why kim k and all them are a thing because they look like the everyday woman no mm, i think you're i think those are two separate things Listen, I think that Mac Jones fits the narrative of what the liberal media wants the Patriots to be (laughs) so well. And it's like Tom Brady 2.0. I love this. They have a great game coming up. Is it Monday night? I think it's Monday night. Against the Bills. Against the Bills. And in the graphic, even, in the graphic, they have the, like, cartoons or whatever. And they have Josh Allen looking like Captain America staring off into the distance. And then he, they have Mac Jones looking like a ghoul, like with his head all Palpatine-like. No. And it's perfect for the evil empire of New England under the under the cloak of Bill Belichick is in training this now wonderkind who is going to be the offense of the rookie of the year. I don't think that they're going to finish the season this strong. It's going to be hard to do so. But... I think the damage is done, and I think Mac Jones is well on his way to that offensive rookie of the year. Mac Jones is Captain America before he turns into Captain America when he's all 
petite and fragile and although he ain't petite sort of chubby yeah <laughs> sort of chubby. more with the body he's not even that chubby it's a natural <laughs> flak jacket that's smart quarterback yeah. right there he's, i mean he's he's probably you know he's not quite pre vegan big ben but he could if he wanted to. I mean, he eats enough clam chowder and right. Red Bulls. He could get there. That's true. That's they do have chowder. That's good chowder. I mean, I will. I will end this segment on a question that I'm going to ask you too. So, if like Jamar Chase gets like you know a touchdown and 100 yards receiving from here on out for every game, but I mean, you see him winning it. You see him. Like, what does it take for Jamar to win Rookie of the Year now? Or is it? I mean, he has to catch a pass, first of all. Okay. Um, He's done plenty of that this season, let me tell you that. (laughs) Did Justin Jefferson win the Offensive Rookie of the Year? No, we talked about this. It was Herbert. Oh, yeah. You clearly don't listen. You clearly don't listen. No, I don't. Jefferson literally set records. Yeah. And it didn't matter just because Justin Herbert had a few good throws. And also, by the way, I said that Mac Jones was potentially better than Justin Herbert. And look at who we're starting to question. I tell you these things. We're questioning Herbert. I'm not. I'm not questioning Herbert. I don't know. Not looking to. I don't know. He doesn't. He doesn't quite have the chub that Mac Jones has. God, you are people, relentless. people, people. There's, there's also no question. Like people are romanticizing and yearn for this, this Mac Jones thing to work because of the, <laughs> the just absolute desire to like love. I, I don't even know how to put it, but just like some. I don't know. It's the Patriots. It's, it's like Stockholm syndrome with the people like media right now i swear to god it's like we had 20 years of this nobody liked them nobody should like them it just because they're winning doesn't make them likable and then everybody like the second that they get a decent chubby white quarterback it's like holy crap they're back oh my god i love them aren't they the i mean there's one thing about giving them the respect and there's another thing about like wanting just immediately wanting them to to be what they were it's like i i don't know I, I, there's a better analogy for it than stockholm syndrome but at the same time i mean they they kidnapped us and they forced us to watch them be successful for 20 years and then now 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 we just want to go back that's how i feel about the warriors that's fair i mean that's, that's fair but that's what. But that was part of my point was with the the NBA countdown being like, are the Suns good enough to catch the Warriors? I was like, mm. uh, well, one team has a roster that's a little bit more like an NBA champion than the other one does. At the same time, um, it's because they have the one true god, Clay Thompson, coming back. I mean, yeah, maybe. Look, hey, that might. I mean, that might solve a lot of issues. But I mean. I get it. I mean, I never want to. It might create more issues. I never. uh, Yeah. I (laughs) I hope not. I don't know. How would it create issues? He's a god. I'm trolling. You got to love all the athletes that are recovering from Achilles tears and acting like nothing was lost from their explosiveness. Great news for Clay. That's your field, Ryan. Good job. Yep. All mine. Good job with your research. All my doing. You're welcome. 
Clay. It's you. Those Come on the Achilles? podcast, Clay. Come on the podcast. Do Please. mice have Achilles? <laughs> yes. Mm. Until I snatch them. Oh no! Nice. nice. When when well, are we? When are we? Yeah. Are we close to like complete? Like, like you know how people when a player gets hurt, they're like, "I'll give my left eight, you know, or you can't. No. Are we close to that? <laughs> Donating Achilles. Donating Achilles. Damn. I mean, that's one thing that people are trying to do is, uh, like, engineer fabricated, like, scaffolds, basically, that can help tendons regrow. Um, but honestly, I feel like the biggest advancement, I, I don't know for sure, but I think it's honestly that they started stitching the Achilles together and figured out how to stitch it together well versus just letting it heal, heal like a scar ball and doing oh that my more. Jack, you athletes. literally want to take someone else's Achilles out. Well, think about it. it. I mean, look, how many do you like if it was possible to be like, look, we just need, you know, somebody's Achilles, you know, somebody's MCL, like a healthy MCL. How many fans would be like, you can take mine? And I mean, could you imagine if, you know, like your MCL played a part in a championship? Right, exactly. Say, oh. say, say, you know, Mac Jones and I don't know, you know, tears his ACL and needs a restructuring and some bunch of people in Boston are like, I'll, you know, I'll give him my fucking MCL. Nice. I mean, could you imagine how obnoxious that person would be if if they won a championship and they'd be like, "That's my fucking MCL." <laughs> you want the MCL? That's a brutal one. Yeah, because because I mean, they might take. need to replace it. I mean, it's true. To be fair, that's probably that would be the easiest one to donate. One of the easiest ones. I totally knew that. I mean, could you imagine your your coworker donated like, yeah, like something? How annoying that'd be! It'd be like you know. You know. That's mine there. That's mine freaking dropping dimes into Kendrick Bournes. Did you know Tim from marketing? You know, did you know that Zion has his Achilles? Zion needs um Zion needs <laughs> Can't even do it. <laughs> Dude. He needs a dietitian. <laughs> Just touched on the rookie of the year chase for y'all. Chase, Jamach. <laughs> Would you look at that? So we'll, we'll totally intentional rigged. We'll see how this Sunday goes. But you do make a good point about JG, Justin Jefferson breaking records and still not getting the award. So <sighs> Okay, and I'm a God damn it. Proponent of making separate awards for quarterbacks. Compared to the rest of the league, we got we got a lot of good ideas on this podcast. So, you people need to start listening. All right. Well, That's let's get point. to uh, let's get to some shoutouts. Yeah. 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 All right. Uh, this this time, let's have uh, the white recluse go first. You got any shoutouts this week? Oh man. Honestly, I did not come prepared with some shout-outs, but I can think of one on the fly on our recent trip to Florida. 
for the holiday. We were able to, we were granted with the presence of a family of manatees and my brother and I got to kayak with them, which was a great experience. Didn't touch them, just Mm. observed them, but it was awesome. Serene. Amazing. Shout out manatees. All right, Jack, the jumping spider, what do you got? Oh, God, I don't know. You do this every week. You should be good at this now. No. Look around your room and... It's not how this works. I'm trying to think of, like... I'm trying to think of, like, what I even did, I mean, for the past two weeks. I mean, there was obviously Thanksgiving. I'll give a shout-out to the chicken for Dude, I was literally thinking, I'm like, you should just give a shout-out to the chicken. You know, I mean, hey, it gave its life hopefully it was a farm to table chicken but probably not i i just hope it saw daylight i hope it saw the sun a little bit um so but shout out to you You you're very good i drizzled your cousin turkey gravy all over you and it was really delicious. So, I mean, thank you. Shout out. God. That was, that was great. Thank you. Thank you for shouting out a dead chicken. <laughs> My shout out, because it's someone very important to the show, our number one fan, Hayden, lives all the way in London right now. But... He's coming back to P-Town in like a week. And guess what Hayden decided to do this morning? He decided to talk a little shit about basketball. He says he's going to beat me in basketball. And uh, <laughs> that's just going to be farther from the truth. You know, I, I, gotta, you know, I don't want to gloat, and I don't want to gas me up too much, but at the pickup courts I played at this summer, one of the dudes that would play with me often is he, like, he told me to come play this competitive league up in Vancouver. I'm like, dude, I'm not that good, whatever. But he did say I was the best defender on that court. So, Hayden, you better watch your ass, all right? I'm going to lock you down, and then I'm going to be living rent-free inside that head. After one game. Okay. First of all, we got to figure out where we're going to play because it's wintertime in Portland and just rainy all day, every day. So we'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. But shout out to Hayden, too. Um, I was going to save this announcement sort of towards the end, but, you know, maybe uh, maybe some merch coming up in the future. Huh? Maybe some merch. He's the one that gave me the idea. He said he'd wear the shit out of it, so... And I was like, you know what? I think other people would too. They better. <laughs> Uncle Barry? Yeah, there. Yeah. Huh? Yeah, there still. <laughs> shout out to him. Oh, yeah. I'll oh, give a shout out to him too. He oh. texted me about the Warriors victory in the No Country for Big Men Bowl. Did he really? <laughs> yeah. So shout out to him and my chicken. <laughs> I'm sure Uncle Barry is happy to be side by side in your shout out with the dead chicken. It was good. 
<laughs> so yeah, uh, keep an eye out for maybe some potential merch in the coming weeks. Um, yeah, I think that was a pretty good episode. Next episode, we're gonna have another No Country for Big Men for Big Men Bowl. It sounds like so oh, yeah, back to back, back to back, and this time. What day is it? The cover. Is it the eleventh? Is the game on the ele- yeah. yeah? Cover. Cover. Oh, yeah, cover. 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 I'm gonna. I'm gonna be smashing that. <laughs> Ryan, you want to go in on another bet? Another ten k. Another ten k. Oh, that's mom. Good. Cause we down bad. All right, guys. I think that's Bye. it for us tonight. No, another No Country for Big Men Bowl. Tune into our air and listen to us live during them. All right. Have a good night. <laughs>